Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church this morning. I'd like to say happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans. We're so grateful. I know uh, there's a few things in the service today uh, to express our gratitude as a congregation to all of our veterans who have served our country. We are so thankful, um, and we are so glad to see everyone, uh, all of our guests here this morning. Uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, if you're a guest, hopefully you got a bulletin. And if you did, please uh, open up to the back and there's a tear-off tab. Uh, fill that out and drop it in the offering plate as it comes by, and that can be your gift to us this morning. Uh, and as a church, if you have any prayer requests, things going on, um, whether it's things you may need, uh, to, maybe you need to be served, maybe there's something that we can help out with, whether it's uh, someone on staff or the deacons or, or someone at the church uh, who's, uh, who would be able to help, uh, let us know. Write down what you need. If it's prayer, let us know. We, we want to know so we can help and serve you and pray for you and lift up, uh, lift up your needs. Um, so this morning, we're glad you're here uh, to worship with us. And please stand as we read God's word this morning. I'm reading the first nine verses of Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart and give him praise. And give him praise. Come into his
Father, we come to praise you and to thank you since the day that Jesus came into my heart. And I'm sure, Father, that there are many of us here this morning can reflect back and think of that special time when the burden of our sins were rolled away and our names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. How we praise you and we thank you. And we thank you for those people that told us about you. And Father, this is a special day in the life of our nation and our church as we think about the many men and women who sacrificed their all in order that we might enjoy the freedoms and the privileges that we have today. Veterans Day is important. Armistice Day is important. But Father, we want to think this morning when you saw us in the depths of our sin, when you so loved the world that you would send your only begotten Son, that he would go to Calvary, pour out his life's blood, be buried in the borrowed tomb, and arise from that grave, and then later ascend into glory. And because of that, we have an assurance. We have a hope that is steadfast, unmovable, an anchor that holds. And Father, today, let us worship you and praise you and magnify your name. Pray for our pastor as he shares your word this morning. And especially, Lord, those that do not know you as their Lord and Savior, that this will be the hour of victory for them in Jesus' name, in who we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today is Veterans Day, and not only is it Veterans Day, we're about to honor our um, veterans here. Today is the day we turn in our shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. I'm going to, I think we have some children here in the back. I want you to invite y'all to come on down here up front. <clears throat> to what we're going to do is um, they're going to come in holding a shoebox, uh, the children downstairs in Children's Church, and I'm going to pray over our shoeboxes. Um, do we know, where's Miss uh, Peggy Hyams at? So uh, let's see. Uh, anyway, she's back there. Do, do we have over, do you know about how many shoeboxes we've collected so far, Peggy? We don't, so... Well, a couple of weeks ago, I know we made 228, so however many we turn in, we have a lot. So, all right, Cheryl, why don't y'all come down? Sherry, why don't you help them, and we want to just line up, and we can face everyone. I am going to pray over our, up here on the stairs, I'm going to pray over our shoe boxes. These, these shoe boxes, uh, we give them tomorrow, we'll give them to, they, they go to Porter Memorial Baptist Church. Then from there, they start organizing them, they put them on a big truck, and they send them down to Boone, North Carolina. That is where... The uh, Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham's organization is headquartered. So they go from there, and from Boone, they get processed, and they go to other countries. So these boxes up here with the children, they will be in other countries in, uh, in a few months or so. So we're going to pray over our um, shoe boxes, um, and then we are going to, um, and then we're going after that, we'll recognize our veterans. 
All right, children, who made, who made a shoebox? Did any of y'all make any of these? Well, good. Three people raised their hands. I bet your mommies and daddies made those shoeboxes. So that is. So that's. <laughs> this is children giving uh, to other children. So, <clears throat> children, we're going we're gonna to pray over these shoeboxes you are holding. So what, what, when we pray, we uh, bow our heads. That means to put our heads down and we close our eyes. So let's bow our head and close our eyes and we're going to pray to God. God, we thank you for our shoeboxes that we have made. Lord, we pray for these shoeboxes that we are holding right now and that our church has made and so many folks have contributed to as we, uh, this week as we send them on from here, as they go across the world to other nations, we pray that the gospel will be made known and that folks, especially children, will learn about you, will hear about you, Jesus, because of our box that we're holding. Lord, we thank you for this great opportunity of Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. Lord, we just pray that you bless these shoeboxes and we give them to you. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Thank you, children. I appreciate it. Let's give them a round of applause for coming up and participating with our shoeboxes. All right, y'all are going to follow Miss Sherry out here, right here. And um, <clears throat> y'all are turn back in your shoeboxes. That's not your shoebox. That shoebox is going overseas. I am going to invite Mr. Roy Browning. Where is Mr. Roy Browning at? Roy, come on up. Yeah, I'm going to hand you this microphone here. Today is Veterans Day, and it's a very special day that we're going to recognize. We're going to recognize our veterans as well as we have a flag here to present to one of our veterans. Good morning. If you are a spouse or a widow of a veteran, would you please stand first? Thank you. Would all the veterans please stand? Would you all please stand for the presentation of the colors? Y'all may be seated. I want to thank you all for coming today. 
Today does mark the 100th anniversary of the signing of the armistice that signaled the beginning of the end of World War I, or the Great War as it was known then. The actual peace treaty was not signed until June 28, 1919. And because of that decision, it led to several things happening in the rest of that last century that were rather unpleasant. But I want to say that the, the total casualties of the Allies, the men mobilized was 42 million. Casualties, 22 million. The Central Powers, which include the Austro-Hungarian Empire and Germany, Turkey, they had 65 million men and 37 million casualties. That includes dead and wounded. After World War II, Armistice Day became Veterans Day to honor all who have served. I did a little bit of research, and the oldest record for a military arm that I could find was by the order of the General Court in the Colony of Massachusetts on December 13, 1636. I did not know that until this year and I did some research. That predates our Continental Army by over 140 years. Would you please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance? If you're a veteran, you may do the hand salute. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Our most senior veteran is among us today, Mr. Bill Lucas. Mr. Bill served in the Air Force beginning in 1951, I believe he said. I want to thank him for his honorable service and for the service he's done for his country after he got out of the service. He's an honorable man, and we should all salute him. Let us not forget the women, the men, the old, and the young who paid the ultimate price for our freedoms. We live in a, the greatest nation that the world has ever known, thanks to Lord God Almighty. We do not fully appreciate the things we have until you go to some other country in the world and see what they have, which in a lot of cases is nothing. Jesus said the poor will always be with you. And he's not wrong. He's never been wrong. I want to thank you for coming today, for allowing us to share and to salute our veterans, spouses, widows, it's a great day in the United States of America. Thank you very much.
Thank you, Brother Roy. Our offertory hymn this morning is going to be the National Anthem, and we're going to sing both stanzas. Would you please stand as we sing? most gracious and kind Heavenly Father, we thank you for this privilege that we have to be in your house today, Lord, to sing praises to you and worship your Lord, we thank you for our freedom. We thank you for those that have sacrificed. And we thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you bestow upon us. Now as we come to that time that we can give back a portion of that that you have given us, that we can give back to you. May you bless the offering and the gift, Lord, and may it be used to honor and glorify your precious name. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Good morning. We did this song back in February, so we'll see if anybody remembers it.
resurrection place my beloved bring me away cause I want to feel your light on my face there's a sun coming up in my soul Lord in my soul there's a sun coming up Take me up to your resurrection place, my beloved, bring me away, cause I want to feel your light on my face. There's a sun coming up in my soul, Lord, in my soul, there's a sun
how I'm supposed to tell a story while he retunes. <laughs> I do love this song, though. It incorporates my favorite hymn. So if y'all feel comfortable singing once you know it, um, there will be a part you recognize. So. Grander earth has quaked before, moved by the sound of his voice. Seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on
as well Through it all, through it all My eyes are on you It is well with me Thank you all. Patrick, Amy, thank you so much. So that was wonderful there. <laughs> Open your Bibles to the book of Daniel. And, uh, it's an Old Testament book after the book of Ezekiel. Also, if you have your bulletin, you want to pull out your insult there, the God and Country Prosperity Gospel. <clears throat> I, uh, this here is a message that is one that is really just, I think the past few years, this prosperity gospel has really crept into, in many ways, many of our lives, and we don't even realize it. And that's what we're going to look at today. So Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 21, and then, um, uh, then in a little bit we'll reference our uh, bulletin insert there. You know, um, there is a problem out there, and the problem is that there, false religion comes in many forms. And how that is, is one of this brand that has emerged is the God and Country uh, prosperity gospel, and I have a Bible verse here up on the screen, Second Chronicles 7.14. About 10, 12 years ago, a book came out about this, uh, uh, about this called The Prayer of Jabez, I believe. It's, um, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my, pay, my face and turn from my wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, that verse there was written by Solomon while they were building the temple, and they were dedicating the new temple. And the problem is that is we can take a Bible verse such as that, which is a great Bible verse, and we can apply it in a sense that if only we had the right elected officials, God will heal America, and He'll make America great again, and we'll have a wonderful nation if we turn to the Lord, and certainly He will uh, bless us with that. Now, the challenge with that is this Bible verse it was written during a time of real wickedness that the, God had blessed Israel. And they were building a new temple. We're actually studying this on Wednesday night here in Wednesday and Bible study. But what happened is the people's hearts were going away, began worshiping idols. And God will say, if my people will call out, I will re-bless Israel once again. In fact, they didn't. They went the other way. And what happens is, the false gospel that can dangerously be preached today is so goes how America goes is how Christianity goes. Meaning, if we can just get folks here in the USA to turn back to God and get the right policies in Washington, we'll have a wonderful nation. And that's a dangerous gospel because we're going to see here that happened here in the book of Daniel. In fact, many of us are like this. Let's all pretend we had a 23, 24-year-old daughter, or granddaughter. And it was time for her to get married. She's getting at that age where it's, it's time to have the big wedding and $40,000 and marry someone. That's how much a wedding cost. So uh, 
you're, you see your daughter here. She brings home this guy. He walks in. He's a member of the Fayette County Republican Party. He watches Fox News. He listens to country music, even Christian music too. He has a conciliatory permit. He pulls for SEC football. Any SEC teams play, he goes for. He drives a Chevy truck, and he loves drinking sweet tea from Chick-fil-A. And you look at this man and go, this is my kind of guy? <laughs> Somebody called out, that's Rico. That's who that is. It's Rico. He comes in, and you look at this guy. He's 23, 24 years old. Go, this is who my daughter needs to marry. Now, some of you are sitting here thinking, Daniel, all I care about is how much money he makes. I don't care about anything else. <laughs> Many of us would look at a guy, a young man like that, and go, that's my kind of guy. Good southern boy. He was raised right. He values the things I value. But church, there's something dangerously wrong with that picture. The Lord, Jesus, He's not in it. He's the patriotic guy. He loves the USA. But where is that same love for the Lord? Where is the passion in the relationship with Jesus? The problem with this God and country prosperity gospel is that while we love our nation, and we do love the USA, we also know that our nation will never be a Christian nation until Jesus returns. We never see a Bible promise that America will be a Christian nation. It's not in our Bibles. Now God gives promises to Israel, but Jesus did not come for a nationalistic civil religion. He didn't. He didn't come to create religion in our nation. He came for people, lost people all throughout the world, to step into a relationship with Him and to see they're in desperate need of a Savior. Do you know um, this story we're about to read here? And we're about to read this story here in Daniel chapter 1. This is the story that a lot of folks, a lot of parents use this story. When we read through this, you're going to laugh. It's a story that moms and dads use to get their children to eat vegetables. And you're going to see it right here. Daniel here, what's happened? I'll give you some background the first seven verses before we get there. Daniel is a young man, and he's from the land of Judah. This was the divided kingdom. Israel had already fallen. Then you have this land named Judah right there in Jerusalem. And the Babylonians with Nebuchadnezzar, they come over and they capture Judah. And they haul him away 900 miles to current day Iraq and Iran. And that area is called Babylon. It's a foreign country. The people there in Babylon do not worship Yahweh. They do not worship the God of the Bible. So Daniel's a young man. When I say young man, we're talking a 15, 16-year-old, 17 years old. This is a teenager, probably. He's got three friends here. We know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's, those are our friends we see. So we're four young boys. They're in a foreign land. And they're gonna, he's going to make a commitment to the Lord. He's going to make a promise to God that I believe we need to make the same type of commitment. Because as much as we love America, we love our country, we are in Babylon. We are in a foreign land. And what I mean by foreign land is Daniel was used. He was raised there in Jerusalem. He was a devout Jewish young man. And he finds himself all of a sudden 
captured and exiled to this far nation where he's in the king's court. They worship a different god. They have different values. They speak a different language and have a different background. And it's not one that he's used to. In fact, he looks around and goes, the folks around here, they don't, uh, they're not like me. They don't eat at Chick-fil-A. They don't drive Ford trucks and Chevys. They don't have the same values that I have. But what we see of this young man, even when we are in Babylon, even if we can live in the United States that's maybe going backwards, I guess so to say, spiritually, we can still have that same commitment to Christ as Daniel had right here. And we see that God blesses him from that commitment. He does not defile himself with the wickedness of Babylon. You know, before we read there, um, have you ever been away from home? Say, maybe you travel a lot. You know, traveling's very dangerous because there's no accountability. When I say travel, I don't mean travel your wife or travel your friend. I mean travel alone. When you're alone and you're in a, far, a different city or maybe a different, different state or a different country even, all of a sudden the accountability's gone, no one knows you, and you look around, and you have opportunities to do things that you would not be doing if you were at home. You would not be doing if your spouse or if your family was there. That is how it is here with Daniel. He's going to find himself alone. When people are alone, a lot of times, and you're in a different city, a different town, people tend to self-destruct. Because you can find yourself doing things that are against Scripture. <laughs> I want, and I don't agree with this, but I'll never forget. I had this guy once tell me. He traveled, and um, he probably wasn't the best example, but um, he once said, Daniel, when people travel a lot, they have affairs. Now, <laughs> the problem with that was what he meant is that was the extreme of what he was saying. What he was saying is when people are alone and they're on the road, it's very tempting it's very easy. You can find yourself in compromising situations because accountability is gone. You know, the devil loves to remove accountability from your life because when you don't have to give account, when there's no accountability and no one's watching, you can do things that are against what the Bible says. And I, I paint this picture here because that is where these four young men are at. They are in Babylon. They can do anything they want. But these guys here choose to serve the Lord. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. I want you following. I'm going to read all the verses here. Daniel determined... Now, we're, we are in the king's court. We are in Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. Why did he decide that? Because this food had been given... To the Babylonian, it had, been, uh, it had been sacrificed to the Babylonian gods. The, the Babylonians did not worship the God of the Bible. They worshipped false gods. It was a false religion. So Daniel decided here, I'm not going to contaminate my spiritual life. I'm not going to indulge in the sins of the Babylonians. I'm not going to acknowledge their God. So what does he do here? He decides, he's, he determines in his heart he's not going to do this. So he asked for permission from the chief eunuch 
not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigns your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men of your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So this attendant here saying, look, you have to eat the food because it, it reflects on me. And if I don't have you looking good, if you aren't a sharp young man, maybe Knezer kills me, so you're going to look good. That was what the, that's what the attendant's saying here. So Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's their Hebrew names here, please test your servants for ten days. Let me be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, they looked better and healthier than all the other young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. This is why you eat your vegetables. So what happened here? Is Daniel saying, hey, just give me a test. Ten days, I'll eat vegetables and drink water, and we'll see if I look better. Well, God does the supernatural. God made sure these four young men, these Hebrew guys, they actually looked healthier, they were stronger, their appearance was better than the other people who were eating the king's food and wine that was sacrificed to Babylonian gods. So, we, uh, so Daniel, is, he's, he's made a commitment here. He's in a foreign country. He can do whatever he wants, but he has chosen to honor God even 900 miles away from home. Verse 17, God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king has said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. King interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they began to attend the king. In every manner of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted with them, he found them, look at this, ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So what happened? God answered and blessed Daniel's commitment. Daniel decided at a young man in this foreign country, even though I'm away from mama and I'm away from home and I'm in a place that I don't even want to be in, I am going to remain pure and committed to the Lord. He has a commitment right there. Look, I put two challenges up here on the board. He's facing two challenges in Babylon. Number one, He's facing the challenge of a secular education. We didn't read it, but in verse 4, it actually says that he was there in Babylon and they were teaching him the customs and the language. That means he's yanked into this foreign land and all of a sudden he's getting indoctrinated by a culture and a language and a religion that's not even his. He's thinking this is completely secular. That's today. We are indoctrinated on the media and at school. Now, it might not be extreme like we're learning Babylonian false gods and worship, but we're learning maybe a different worldview than the Scripture's teaching. Your children could be learning things that 
might not line up with the Bible. So what do you do as a parent or a grandparent? You say, yes, and you can tell, tell them the story of Daniel. Daniel also was there in Babylon, and he was indoctrinated with that stuff too, but he remained committed to the Lord. Number two, the second challenge Daniel faces here is he has the challenge of sinful enticements. That is all around us here in Lexington. Any sin you would, in fact, you don't have to go, you go on your phone. Anything you want is right there in your hands. And Daniel is, and his, and his th three friends are facing this challenge. No one's watching. He's alone. He's in a foreign land. And he can do whatever he wants to do. Why honor the Lord when the Lord allowed this terrible thing to happen for my country to get destroyed and I'm stuck 900 miles away from home? Daniel remained committed to God. While he was young, he is a man who said no. God blessed him for his commitment to the Lord. I want to tell you about the story of Daniel. Usually when we study this book of the Bible, we all turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. What happens? He prays. God sends an angel. He closed the mouth of the lions. And he's delivered. God saved this young man from the lion's den for his commitment to the Lord. Now, now when we read our Bibles, Daniel chapter 1 to Daniel chapter 6, you would just think, oh, that's a year or two later. No, it's not a year or two later. It's 70 years later. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6, he was 80-something years old. He was an elderly man. He had many decades had passed. And the amazing story with the, Daniel this, and his three friends and his commitment, here's our take-home principle. This is how we apply. The commitment he made when he was a young man at 15, 16 years old God honored that and answered that commitment and he continued it to when he was in the lion's den. Listen, all of us at some point are going to be in the lion's den. All of us are going to find ourselves facing a situation that within the Lord, without the Lord, we don't have a chance. And that's what happened in Daniel chapter 6. You get thrown into the lion's den, you're going to die. But because God had saw how faithful this young man was, how he didn't eat the king's food that had been defiled. He continued to pray three times a day to the Lord. God just raised him up as a wise, discerning judge, as a faithful young man who continued to honor him. When he was thrown into the lion's den, God was there. I want you to know, this is for young folks, your commitment that you give to the Lord while you're a teenager or young adult you might not see the blessings of that until you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s. You stay committed to God and make that commitment and that promise to the Lord while you're young. God will honor that when you're old. God is looking for an army of Daniels. He's looking to raise up a generation of young men and young women who are saying, I live in Babylon. I acknowledge I've got the secular education. I've got the sinful enticements all around here in Lexington. You can, you can self-destruct so easily in this city. It doesn't take much. You can do it this afternoon if you want to. 
But God is looking for folks who's saying, I'm going to make the commitment to the Lord and I'm going to honor Him. Listen, parents, grandparents, you need to be praying that your children and your grandchildren, that they are an army of Daniels. That they are more committed to the Lord than to politics. They are more committed to the Lord than making money. They're more committed to the Lord than they are to our nation. Daniel and his friends, this young man, he made, he, it says in verse 8, he determined that he would not defile himself. Do you know what that means? He said, I'm going to remain pure. I'm going to be that pure guy who saves himself for marriage. I'm going to be the pure guy that doesn't drown himself in alcohol and drugs and pornography. I'm going to be a man with clean hands and a clean heart. Where are those men at? God is calling those guys out. That's the type of children you want to raise. That's the type of commitment this man made. You should be praying that your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they're an army of Daniels. Because the lion's den's coming. We're all going to get thrown into the lion's den. And God looks at this young man's life and says, man, that guy was faithful when he was 15. I'm going to bless him when he's 85. Do you know Daniel, at the very, book of, very end of the book of Daniel, he actually saw visions of the end times. God just blessed this man. He could interpret dreams. He was, Daniel actually had visions of things that still haven't even happened yet. God opened up his mind. God blessed and honored this man's commitment to him. You must determine early in your life. If you're a young person, or if you're wherever you're at, with your commitment to Christ, you must determine early, and you're wherever you're at in life, that you won't compromise your convictions in your commitment to God. Have you made that decision? You say, God, God, I'm not going to be a man of compromise. I'm not going to compromise my convictions and my commitment to you. Church, we are surrounded. Everybody seems like all they do is compromise. Any law that's passed, any rule, it's going to be broken. It's going to be amended. I mean, it's just, it's just waiting to happen. Some attorney's going to file suit and we're going to change it here or there. Whatever says, you know, you can always bend it. And this book here, this story, Daniel's saying, no, I've determined in my heart, I'm going to stay pure to the Lord. Babylon is where Daniel lives, but Babylon will never be Daniel's home. Lexington might be your place you live, but your commitment first and foremost is to the Lord. You don't allow the sin and enticements of our cities to destroy your spiritual life. Look up here on the board. Last thing we're going to see here. What set Daniel apart? Three things set this young man apart. And this is what sets us apart, not so much as a nation, but what sets us apart individually, our commitment to the Lord. Number one, Daniel stood up for his beliefs. God is looking for men and women who are going to stand up for what they believe in. Are you willing to make a stand for the Bible? Do you make a stand saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to worship I'm not going to participate in these immoral things. He did. Verse 8, it says he determined in his heart 
He wasn't going to do that. He was going to be different. Not only that, Daniel stood out for his faithfulness. After they did this little 10-day test, and he had drank, he ate his vegetables, and he had his uh, water. It says in verse 15, Daniel looked better and healthier. God blessed him. Listen, you make a commitment to God, and you hold to it, you know what happens? He holds you to it. God will bless you. A commitment might be, he says, I'm going to start eating healthier. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit looking at garbage on the internet. Whatever your commitment to the Lord is, you say, Lord, I'm making a commitment. And you hold to it. God blessed him for his commitment. That's what he did. Ten-day commitment, he did it. God answered that prayer. He looked better and he was healthier. Number three, his discernment surpassed them all. Daniel was a young man. It says he had a wisdom that was ten times that of the other folks in the king's court. That means he had a discernment. God gave him a gift. The actual, the word Daniel means God is my judge, meaning God, let me be a discerning person. I want to tell you something. If you don't have discernment today, you will struggle with sin. Do you all know what discernment is? Discernment is that, it's, it's a gift from God saying, you know what, I don't need to go to this event. I don't need to be very close friends with this person. We don't need to be talking on Facebook. We don't need to be alone. Discernment is the Holy Spirit speaking to you that says your commitment to Christ, your commitment to the Lord is more important than the traps all around. If you don't have the gift of discernment, if you don't have a discerning spirit, you will find yourself over and over again getting tripped up by the sins of Babylon. The sins of Lexington. The things that bring you down. You need to ask God. In closing here. You need to ask God to raise up your children, your grandchildren, even some of you. Make me a Daniel. We live in Babylon. We live in this country. This community that can easily entice you away from the Lord. Our commitment, first and foremost, is to the Lord. Last thing I want to say here, how to be a Christ-following American. I want to read one of these. We have a dual citizenship. Do you know that? You are a born-again believer. You're an American citizen, and you're a citizen of heaven. What that means is your lesser temporary citizenship on earth. Meaning, here of our country, we love our nation. We, we're proud to be in this nation. We have religious freedoms. Freedom to come worship the Lord. But not only that, more importantly, we have a supreme, eternal citizenship in heaven. Listen, everything we do, our commitment, our honor, it goes first and foremost to the Lord. And, and a lot of us have gotten this turned around. As, as 
fun as politics is fun to follow, and it's fun to vote, we all voted on Tuesday, there's no hope in politics. Our only hope is in Jesus. Our only hope is saying, I'm a citizen first in heaven. My eternal home is up there. It's not here. America will disappoint. There will be disappointments of whatever country you live in. And this is the story of Daniel. He stayed committed to the Lord more than he was committed to Babylon. And listen, if Daniel here was more committed to the Lord than he was to Babylon, then we should be more committed to the Lord than we are to America. And some of us, we've flip-flopped this. The, the God and country prosperity gospel is saying if we can only make Washington Christian, if we can only get the right politicians, do you think Daniel's in Babylon saying we need this person elected to Babylon? They need to be ruling over here. We need to change the, what's being taught in the schools. He's saying, you know, my commitment's to the Lord. I'm going to honor him. I've determined my heart to put the Lord first. And I know my God will bless me. No matter where you're at, you need to have that same desire these three young, four young men had. They put God first above anything else. Now spiritually, you turn this into yourself. What about your personal life? Have you made a commitment to Christ? Or have you been going around here in Babylon living a life of compromise? You will not be able to live a life committed to Christ until you have put Him into your life and asked Jesus to come in your heart. Then and only then, when He lives inside of you, does He give you the strength to be able to say, no, I'm not going to defile myself. If you are defiled this morning, meaning you've been corrupted by Babylon, you've been corrupted by the sins of our city, Jesus Christ forgives you. He washes your sins away. He gives you a new heart a new soul. He picks you up and puts you on solid ground. And He gives you the strength to say no to compromise. God, I pray for the folks this morning. Lord, I pray you cleanse our hands. Lord, some of us here, we have been defiled by the sins of Babylon, the sins of Lexington. Lord, don't let us fall for the lie that if we, if only a Thank you for what you're doing. Our
God's placed something in your heart that you need to make Christ, you can join our church. You can give your life to Christ. Now is the time to respond. We're going to sing our hymn, but just this I am. Let's stand together. We're going to sing the chorus to America the Beautiful.